Hello, everybody. I have I have two little mini conversations I'm going to have here. Um, the first thing I just, as we were watching um, the MLK speech beforehand, I was uh, reflecting on what this weekend looks like with uh, ML Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday being on Friday and the celebration tomorrow. I was just thinking about as I grew up how I learned about him, learned about the work that he did, or learned about all that happened within the civil rights movement. And as I sit here, what I realized is particularly as a white man, too often the conversations around MLK were about what is different now. It was almost a sense of because the, the clips are in black and white, because uh, it happened before I was born, that we had somehow arrived to a post MLK era of racial justice in our world. And as I was being taught about things like that or being taught about things like the Trail of Tears, it was so often that the injustices of our history, even recent history, were phrased uh, in the context of things of the past. And this last year has made it, I think, glaringly obvious that we are not in a post-racial uh, injustice world. That at times I think about how much I would have wished to be taught not just about the wonderful developments of our society, but the way that that still impacts us today. The way that choices around segregation and redlining still affects the way that our city works the way the choices uh, and the laws set up around stealing opportunity and systemically creating generational poverty still affect us today. But I think about this in the juxtaposition of this moment right now, I think is important to recognize that we have had progress in our society, but yet have so much more to go. I think of Jesus's message often of talking about the kingdom of God being here and not yet. It is a both being lived out in this moment and also still moving towards it. And it feels very much so as we reflect upon MLK that there is an important thing to celebrate. It is important for us to recognize that as you listen to those speech, some of those things are no longer a reality things around uh, the inability to vote in some states as a person of color, the legal separation of races in terms of separate and not equal, but yet other things he echoed about the violence of police still feel very far from truth. And so before I pivot to talk a little bit more about us, uh, some practices that we can do right now, I just wanted to acknowledge that and spend a moment in prayer to both lament, rejoice, and ask for God's hope of the kingdom coming fully to earth. So Jesus, we this weekend are so grateful. We're grateful for the voices that stood up, that spoke out, the actions of so many that called injustice injustice to bring about social change in our country. We're thankful for Martin Luther King Jr. and those around him that created movement in our society but we also grieve the things that are still not right. And we ask that you would allow us to hold the tension of both rejoicing and grieving, both having our heart broken, but also being filled for hope as we see progression from the past today so we can think of progression from today to the future. May us 
May we all feel that as we walk through this week together. Amen. Thank you all. Just felt a, a reflection that I needed to say um, and needed to share, felt sitting on my heart as I start moving towards a different conversation as we are sitting here in the winter, as we are sitting here in the midst of the pandemic, as we're sitting here in the midst of the chaos of so much of what our country feels like on the week of what should be an, a normal inauguration in most history, but this year very far from that. I think about how do we get ourselves through this season? How are we, how are we making sure that we as humans, we as followers of Jesus are staying healthy, staying um, able to walk through this all and not feel overrun by it? And so we've spent some conversation and this being our second week, wanting to talk about what are some practices? What are some things we can actually do to help us get through this winter, help us get through these next stages? And as all the things in the last couple of weeks have been evolving, whether it was the violent insurrection attempt at the Capitol or all of the things leading up to the fears about the inauguration or the impeachment last week, all of these stresses, I have been doing one thing. And I would almost guarantee that most of you have done it too. I have been on an endless experience of scrolling through my social media seeing post after post of a person's experience, post after post, uh, linking to news articles, helping us, to, uh, helping us understand more about what happened. I have found myself habitually scrolling through what's been happening. And I find myself often leaving that experience heavy, leaving that experience uh, detached, leaving that experience overwhelmed. And that's why I wanna, I wanna suggest here today as a spiritual practice that has made a massive difference for me. And I would say in this moment, in this week, as we are stepping into yet another experience that is going to be a memory point in our history, that I think it is the spiritual practice of non-reactive reading. What I mean by this is having some type of reading that's built into your life that is not dictated by your feed. Now, I want to take a step back. I'm not saying that keeping up on what's happening with, with uh, news right now, I'm not saying being aware of what's going on in your social media feed is an evil that you should avoid. I think for some of us, that might be a healthy approach this week, but that is not the point of what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if that is not at least balanced with something else, I think we leave ourselves susceptible to all of those emotions that leave us empty, leave us overwhelmed. There has been several studies, uh, one most recently done out of the University of New Hampshire, talking about the experience of scrolling through social media, increasing our anxiety and, and decreasing our experiences of hope. And so I think that we need to do something active in this moment to be able to engage with the world. And so what I'm wanting to lay out here is this idea that there is an actual, actually a spiritual practice of daily reading that is not just reactive to the world around us. As somebody who grew up in a more traditionally conservative evangelical experience, to me, this spiritual practice was always depicted as the daily practice of reading your Bible. 
It's this idea that we're not just consuming the news and what's happening, but there's actually something built in and this daily experience of stepping back and engaging with this book of spirituality, the Bible. However, what I have come to discover as an adult is that reading the Bible is often not a very spiritually life-giving experience for me. That whether it has to do with growing up in a conservative Christian environment where there's so many experiences of obligation, so many experiences of weight that happens with it, or it's the reality that to me, when I read the Bible about every single time I read it, I get to a place where I find myself just asking questions. Like, what does that even mean? What is that talking about? What is that applying to? And I find myself in places where I am feeling curious and lost and confused and it's sometimes triggered. And so for me, with the exception of reading the Psalms, the Bible has often actually lived in a place of academics for me. I, reading the Bible to understand what it's trying to communicate. And that's been very fruitful for me. That has been a good thing. I actually use the realities and truths of the Bible in my daily life. However, the reading of the Bible on its own for me, whether it's my personal background, my experience has not been that kind of sustaining, life-giving, how I get through a winter type thing. And it makes me think about uh, a few years ago, we had somebody in our church who was getting their PhD in, I believe, a spiritual direction. And they actually used our church as, uh, as the source material. And they began interviewing people and asking people and helping people evaluate the, the spiritual vibrancy of their own life. And one of the clear kind of pictures that came out of it was the single greatest indicator out of everything. Like, do you pray daily? Do you read the Bible daily? Uh, are you attending small group? Are you attending church? The greatest single correlation for what people reported for their spiritual vibrancy was along with reading the Bible, are you reading something else that's about spiritual health and growth? And if you're reading something else with about spiritual life and growth, that that was the greatest correlator of whether people felt a vibrancy in their own experience. And I think this has felt immensely true for myself, immensely helpful for me to have a list of things that I am reading that are non-reactive. It's not about just reacting to the world, but it's about engaging in a life that is more spiritually healthy and spiritually full. You know, the things that I think come out of non-reactive reading, actually finding a list of books, and we're going to pull some up here in a moment, is that I think it counteracts so much of the vitriol that we see in the world in front of us. That usually the books that are talking about being healthy spiritual people are books that speak and breed hope. And that hope is a counterbalance. So as I'm reading the New York Times depiction of what is happening in the context of the insurrection attempt at the, at the Capitol, I am also reading a book about the hope of change in my own heart to be the person I want to be. And those two things keep me in a better place. It also, for me, gives me a bigger picture and context to which I understand the world. When I'm reading something that is engaging with what has been true over time or throughout history or taking a step back, particularly if you're looking at books that are actually discussing history or books that were written about things that happened in history, it can give us a perspective to see this moment. 
Like for example, reading the sermons of Martin Luther King Jr. can help me understand this moment in a different way. It helps me see the injustice that we still live in while also giving me a hope for change because I can see the change that has already occurred. I also think about how much I think reading things not just in our news feeds just improves our critical thinking. Their news feeds are set up with algorithms to just speak to us and reinforce us and help us uh, be in, in, engaged in passion and emotions around the things we already do. And reading something else has the ability just to reset us and engage our critical thinking. And I think in this current world, having critical thinking as we engage with information to make sure that we are not just being fed things that are untrue and actually looking at articles and saying, what, what is actually true about that? I think that that is the difference right now of being somebody who is standing on justice and truth and somebody who's just being manipulated by larger things in power. I think I see that largely in the church, the conservative church right now is a lack of critical thinking, a lack of ability to engage with things and ask, is that really true? The last piece that I want to suggest of why I think reading in a non-reactive way is so important is it helps us break outside our own thought patterns. It makes us more creative in thinking about the solutions for our own life than we would ourselves, especially right now when we feel so tired. Often I cannot think creatively enough because I don't have the energy to think creatively enough about how to become the person I want to be. And engaging with other readings has been a really healthy and helpful step for me to be able to do that. And so what I'd love to do is if if um, could pull up the slide, I have some suggested books here that I just want to lay out. And what I want to also invite is asking everyone here, what are things that you read that are not just reacting to our newsfeed, that help us live a more grounded and spiritually healthy experience over these next few months. These are some things that between myself and Vince and uh, Haley, we put together. And I just wanna say, not all of us are the same. Not all of us are gonna be engaged by the same things. Some of us will really struggle reading certain Protestant writers because either A, we didn't grow up in a Christian con cultural context and the way that they talk and the assumptions they bring can feel really foreign and strange. Some of us may have had some religious trauma from a, uh, from a conservative Christian experience growing up and even using language that dives into that world can feel hard to sort through. Some of us, reading books is just not our jam. Like We're just not gonna be the kind of person that sits there and reads through books. And so I think for some of us, it's as simple as maybe finding some blogs or some, there's even some like email newsletters that can help us think about how to engage with the world that is not just reacting to the world around us. And so I have some suggestions here for some Protestant writers. Uh, Brian McLaren uh, have a book, a newish book called Faith and Doubt, Nadia Boltz-Weber, Accidental Saints, uh, these are Becoming Brave by Brenda Salter McNeil, Searching for Sunday by Rachel Heldovins, Hearing God by Dallas Willard. Now these I have, these are I think for me, particularly books from Dallas Willard and even Brian McLaren are so full of these really, really culturally Christian experiences. However, if I know that I'm walking into that, I find these to be immensely helpful. And I think it's important, just like reading the Bible, reading authors to understand where they're coming from is gonna help us frame and understand how to best engage with them. 
there's actually a whole list of Catholic writers that are incredibly helpful. There's a few things I want to pull out here is uh, Richard Rohr's The Enneagram is different than the rest. That is more about understanding ourselves. We've done groups on the Enneagram in the past. It's an incredibly helpful thing that is not quite the same as reading some of these other spiritual texts, but it is about engaging with who I am and wondering if perhaps the best part of who I am is the other side of the coin of the biggest challenges I have as a human. Um, and then there's a bunch of them that are not explicitly uh, Christian spirituality books, but they are books that very much, I think if we read alongside our life, can really help us, especially in a season like this, uh, in things by Brene Brown. Um, I wanna highlight two or three of these things really fast, which is a really big struggle historically in engaging with spiritual readings is the prominence, the prevalence, and the lack of alternatives to white dudes writing about spirituality. It, this is a significant problem. This is a significant problem for me in reading the Bible. And when you're trying to engage in commentaries, when you're trying to uh, figure out how on earth I do that, um, Vince, uh, in a moment, I just want to show you, I, I, was, I was going through a list, I was trying to do some commentaries on Isaiah, and I found a list of the top 130 pop, most popular commentaries on the book of Isaiah, and every single one of the 130 is a white guy. And so I think it's incredibly important for us, particularly those of us that live with privilege, those of us who are men, those of us who are white, to make sure that we are engaging with female authors, engaging with authors of color, because I think that that's gonna be an important piece to make sure that we are not reinforcing our blind spots. Uh, I find uh, God is Not a Christian, which is a series of sermons and stories by Desmond Tutu, an incredibly helpful framing for myself. Uh, the other one is A Life is God's Best Gift is actually a series of ancient uh, various from different area, uh, different regions in Africa, ancient African proverbs and wisdoms that has been put together into a book of understanding and embrace in life. Um, and I think that those are things that have been really, really helpful to me. And even things that are about addressing the brokenness within my own heart, like the big book of less or triggers. Those are not explicitly books about spirituality, but one of them is about counteracting one of the biggest challenges we have in our country, consumerism, and also recognizing that all of us are experiencing triggers to our life and our trauma daily and navigating through that is going to be a really important part of what's going on. And so I'd love to hear what, what, if there's anything you are reading or anything you have read as a supplemental force in your life to help make sure that when we're engaging with information over these next couple months, that the only thing filling our head is not just our newsfeed. And so what I wanna do now is I'm actually gonna take a chance and we're gonna read through one of these together. And I wanna show you two things. If you are not a book person, let, let me know. Um, if you are somebody who sees one of these books and you're like, I would love that, but maybe finances are in the way and you're like, I don't know if I can afford that, let us know and we can work with you. If any one of these books is something that is uh, like, hey, I think reading that would do a, a big deal for me, but I'm not so sure about floating the 20 bucks for that book. Uh, that's something, please reach out to us and we can work with you on that. But there's a couple short, really easy things that I'm gonna um, go ahead and take over the screen for. And these are just a couple blogs that you can sign up to 
um, a couple of blogs that you can sign up to daily be able to read something that is not just populating our newsfeed. There's two that I want to highlight here. One of them is Nadia Boltz-Weber has a blog that um, there's some you, there's certain things that are free and some things that subscribers get to. It is just a daily healthy viewpoint, I think, for being able to engage with life that is not just the news in our social media. The second one that I want to draw our attention to is the Center for Action and Contemplation. This is the, the two most prominent writers on this blog would be Richard Rohr, somebody we've learned immense from, and actually Brian McLaren. If you were the kind of person that would like help with this, you can as simple just go to sign up and put in your email and it will send you these every day as a blog uh, in, your, in your inbox so that you can be reading these before you dive into social media. And I think that's my biggest tip is to read something else before we dive in. And what I wanna do is I wanna read a post from this last week from this to get a feel on how if this is in our head how this might change and frame the way that we engage with the world. So this is uh, Richard Rohr writing on Wednesday. Love is the protagonist. Like me, Brian McLaren has spent many decades on the edge of the inside of the institutional church. Although he often critiques the stories told by Christian denominations, he have never tired of the story Jesus uh, or failed to believe in its power to transform the world. Brian and Gareth uh, Higgins write, Jesus came to subvert all stories of violence and harm, not repeat them. Instead of patriarchal stories of domination, he taught and embodied service, reconciliation and self-giving. Instead of stories of violent revolution or revenge on one hand, or uh, complaints complacent submission on the other, he taught and modeled transformative nonviolence resistance. Instead of the purification stories of scapegoating or ethnic cleansing, he encountered and engaged the other with respect, welcome, neighborliness, and mutuality. Instead of inhabiting a competitive story of accumulation, he advocated stewardship, generosity, sharing, and a vision of, all, of abundance for all. Instead of advocating escapist stories of isolation, he sent his followers into the world to be agents of positive change, like salt, light, and yeast. And instead of leaving the oppressed in stories of victimization, he empowered them with a vision of hope, faith, and love that could change the world. Richard again. One time after I spoke at a business practice about the kingdom of God being a win-win world, a very successful man I knew came up to me and said, you know, Richard, that story is not even interesting. How can I get my juices going in the morning without competition? When we're trapped in a narrative of winners and losers, especially if we think of ourselves as the, wizard, as the winners, the Jesus story really isn't that interesting. Brian and Gareth put it this way. The earlier six stories all claimed that the path to peace, security, and happiness was about winning. But the seventh story, the story of reconciliation, we still get to win, just not at anybody else's expense. In the seventh story, human beings are not the protagonists of the world. Love is. The hearts of more and more children, young people, adults, and senior citizens are yearning for a new story. 
a story of love rather than hate, of creativity rather than destruction, of win-win cooperation rather than win-lose competition, of peace craft rather than war craft. They are waiting for a new story to explore, inhibit, and tell. We are all looking for a larger and more loving story in which to participate. This is what God gives us. Our ordinary lives are given an extraordinary significance when we accept that our lives are about something more meaningful than winning and succeeding inside a very small plot line. Now I just wanna take a minute and think about earlier this week. This was released on the day of the impeachment. Think about how differently we step into that experience, having first read this. Not that we shouldn't learn about what's happening, about the unprecedented experience of a president being impeached for the second time. Not that we shouldn't appraise ourselves of the injustices of this world, but think about your heart. Think about what's going on inside yourself if you are also reading something like this. And so this is my encouragement for all of us here, is just try to read something non-reactionary. Maybe don't set it as a seven day week goal. Maybe, maybe set it as a once a week goal. At some point between here and next Sunday, you're gonna read one blog post. You're gonna find one free chapter on Amazon of that book and read the introduction. Because I think it matters. I think at the heart of my evangelical upbringing that says, we just need to read the Bible every day. I think that this is the heart that they're trying to get at, is there's something in engaging with God, engaging with spirituality, engaging with the truths of life that can help inform our daily life. And then the truth for me is I read this stuff alongside the Bible, and it actually helps the Bible feel more alive to me as well. And if you are somebody that would like, hey, I do want to maybe try reading the Bible alongside these things, I'm going to, what I'll do is at the end of this call, I'm going to stick around for a few minutes. And I have like three quick tips. If you actually are like, hey, I do want the Bible to be part of my daily reading that I can give to you. Three quick tips that I think will make a big difference. But I'll give out one of them is make sure you're reading something else too. That gave away one. So I'll give you the other two when we get there. Right, what I would love to do now is to, to pray for all of us as we move into the next phase of our service. Jesus, ah, so grateful that your heart for us is health, that your heart for us is hope, that your heart for us is healing your heart for us is being part of a bigger story that actually activates and brings life to us. And Lord, I, I confess I need help remembering that. I need help seeing that. Particularly when the information I am consuming daily is just the feed of brokenness. And Lord, I, I, I asked this week, that anybody that is trying to engage with additional reading in their life, whether it's a blog post or a book or something else, that you would bless those experiences as alive with the Holy Spirit. 
that it wouldn't just be the words on the page feeding our brains, but it would be our souls being nourished by a living God that sees that desire to reach out for hope, that sees that desire to reach out for healing, that sees that desire of the very act of trying to do something else is knocking on the door for the living God to come meet us. And I pray that you would break the parts of our brain for those of us that came from uh, traditionally conservative Christian backgrounds that say that the to me, if I'm not just reading the Bible, then I'm doing something wrong. That if I do read the Bible and it doesn't feel life-giving, I'm doing something wrong. That God, you are far more creative and you understand the brokenness of our society and the brokenness within us. And you long for more than just us to meet the expectations of a cultural and social construct put around us that said the daily Bible reading is the thing that's gonna bring me spiritual life. Jesus, that discounts a whole history of people who have engaged with you through the stories of others. Pray that in your name. Amen.